church and we proclaim Jesus Christ as the head and the Lord of this church and Lord of our life. And as we come to your holy word now, we just pray that the life-transforming message of the gospel would just have access to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would, would do its work, his work in, in our lives. We pray that for our children downstairs with Renee and her leadership team there. God, that you would just enrich and build up disciples just below us as we do that up here in this room, Lord. May the words that I speak now, Lord, be pleasing to you. May you guide us into those wonderful truths, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Thank you for having our family and for the warm welcome and we've had. This journey began kind of at the beginning of August, and that conversation has kind of gone on, and uh, we had a meeting with the search community a couple of weeks ago, and that's led to this opportunity to inter interact. And uh, Tim, the chairman of the search community, has done a, a stellar job just on behalf of your church with the great team that he had together. And uh, I've talked to a lot of different search committees over the last couple months, and, and your process was was great and i know i've pushed the timetable because of course you know uh you know it's just part of the you know reality of being a family it's like hey well you know let's, let's and this is kind of like dating and, and i haven't dated since 1995 the, the last girl i dated i married and here she is you know and so so it's like it's a bit uh, kind of awkward at times but uh, thanks for for having us and, and you know we want to talk today about life transforming experiences and, and keith back there has to stay awake because he's doing my PowerPoint, but life-transforming experiences. Deep inside all of us, I believe there's a longing for transformation. It lies latent kind of in, in our souls, and, and, and as we come to the Bible, we discover that there is actually a way to experience life transformation. But before we get to that, I want to look just at the next slide. A little guy named Clarence the Caterpillar. And you're like, what are you talking about? Just hang on to this idea. This, this, will, this will remind you of this text for the, for the, from this point forward. Whenever you think about life-transforming experiences, you're, you're, you know, you see a caterpillar, you will think about this. Because Clarence lived in branches and leaves. That was his life. It was about 20 branches and about 2,634 leaves. That was his world. Clarence didn't need anything else. He could climb. He could eat. He could sleep. When birds landed, he would, you know, crawl into the, the bark of the tree. I mean, that was life, and that was the world, and that was all he needed. Who needed anything else? But there was an older caterpillar that would sometimes crawl by Clarence and say, you know, Clarence, don't you sometimes wonder if there's more to life than just leaves and branches and, you know, and trees? And, and Clarence said, no way, this is it. Who could want anything more? Well, one day Clarence is crawling along and he discovers this white, silky growth on the branch. He'd never seen anything like this before. And he kind of crawled around it as, as he got lazier and, you know, the subsequent days he would crawl over top of it. But he was just like, I don't know, this, this is not edible. This is not something that's part of the tree, but it doesn't seem to be hurting me. And so he just kind of ignored it. And then, then one day he kind of went by and he noticed that, that it was sort of kind of in disarray. And, and then he saw... He saw this strange 
thing sitting on the branch. It, it kind of looked like, like him, but, but it, it, it had these large growths off its back, and, and, and it, 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 it looked strange, and the, these things would move, and, and you could feel the, this, the air moving as it moved these large things sticking out of its back. And then the voice came out, and it was the voice of his friend Benny. Hey, Clarence, it's me! And Clarence said, maybe there is more to life than just branches. If you were to ask Mark, the writer of the first of the second gospel, he would tell you that Jesus is the catalyst for life transformation. If you have your Bibles or if you have your on your phone, or it'll be on the screen too, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 14 to 20, we see this instance where Jesus encounters some, some men and he kind of introduces them to this concept of life transformation. And he kind of catches them by surprise, but he doesn't catch them by surprise because their response is actually quite surprising. As we look at a life-transforming message, this is the first part. Of course, now, Mark introduces Jesus to us very quickly. It's kind of the, you know, the, the fast-paced action gospel. This is not like an old Star Wars movie that has like a little bit of action, lots of talking, a little bit of action, lots of talking. I mean, this is like, it moves, you know, immediately, immediately, immediately. And so, so Mark kind of gets you right into Jesus quick. You know, John the Baptist, Jesus is getting baptized, John's thrown in prison, as we see right here. Now after John was in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. He said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the gospel. I mean, just boom, here he is. John's in prison, you're like, okay, what's going on here? If, 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 if God's kingdom is advancing, why is John in prison? Well, Mark is writing to a group of believers in the, in the city of Rome, probably in about 65 AD. Some of their friends had been captured by Nero placed on, on large wooden pegs, you know, planted in the ground and lit on fire. I mean, Nero was, was ruthless and, and terrible and, and horrific to Christians. And so, so they're kind of wondering, is it worth following Jesus if that could happen to me? And, and Mark and Jesus said, well, remember at the beginning of, you know, of Jesus' ministry, John's in prison. He's kind of reminding them, like, there's a big picture here, guys. But he says, there's a life-transforming message that Jesus shows up and, and he brings. He says, the time is fulfilled. In the Greek language, there's two concepts for time. You know, the, the one is chronos. It's, it's chronological time, right? It's you woke up this morning and you had breakfast. That's chronos time, right? You, you know, you, you go to work. That's chronos time. You go to school. You know, class, second class is at 10, 15. Chronos time, right? You have lunch. You, you go to hockey practice. You have band practice. I mean, chronos. I mean, we live in a chronos world. I mean, there's, you know, the sun rises, the sun sets, and we kind of adjust our, our calendar and our schedule according to chronos. But then the Greek language allows for a, a different word for time. It's the word kairos. It's the kind of time where a significant event meets chronos and changes everything. You know, wives, when you were pregnant and that little baby as God formed it in your womb, got to the point where he or she was ready to come out and was kicking and maybe, you know, things started pouring out. I mean, all sorts of weird things happen. Women have birth, you know, and so it happens and, and, and you get on the phone and you call your husband and you're like, it's time. He's not thinking, oh, it's time for lunch. It's time to, to go to work. It's time to pick up the kids from hockey. It's time. It's like a significant event is happening now 
and we need to, to respond to it. You know, kairos. <laughs> Not at two in the morning. And, and, and husbands, when you get that call, it's time. Some of you had those kairos moments when you heard the gospel the first time or the first time the gospel actually made sense to you. And you're like, ah, oh, I get it. Jesus died for my sins. He rose again. And by personal faith in him, I can experience freedom, new life, forgiveness, like we've been singing about. It's a life-transforming message, and, and it, it's about, it's a kairos moment. I mean, we all have them. I remember as a 13-year-old crawling into the cold waters of Shushwap Lake and standing there with Pastor Bill Hearn, and he baptized me. And I identified myself publicly as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and it was, it was a kairos moment. Pshh! In February 1998, 28th of February, I... I stood at the front of a church here in this very city, and I, and I made a covenant with, with the woman I, I loved and, and to, to, to be devoted and, and to honor her as long as I should live, and, and that was a Kairos moment. Four kids later, those four Kairos moments. The time is here. This is not just like, hey, it's time to go fishing, it's time to eat supper, it's time to practice it's time to watch football that's not what he's talking about here this is a kairos moment it's a life transforming message because the kingdom of god is near now the jews understood the kingdom of god many times in a political way right some great leader would come kick the romans out boom and you know establish israeli dominance in the region and in the world that that was their their dream no more taxes right i mean we all dream about that right wouldn't that be great eh you know you poor saskatchewan people you know there we go you know, you know. but that's not what jesus is talking about here he's not talking about you know political parties and, and entities and just temporal kingdoms he, he's talking about something bigger here it is a life transforming message the time is now it's a kairos moment the king of glory is present with you right now kingdom is near what do you mean what does he mean the king has has literally taken off his regal and, and majestic robes he has he has left the place can you imagine jesus in heaven simply clears his throat and there are scores of of angels and creatures coming to to do whatever he asked them to do and that king of glory takes off that that glory the majesty the power he steps out of eternity and into the temporal world in which we live and, and is born in this crude cave in Bethlehem. But the kingdom is here. It's a life-transforming message. And the response to that message is seen at the very end there. Repent and believe the gospel. Some people think of repentance and think of like being sad about something, right? You know, sometimes, you know, as a kid, I'd get caught doing something, and I was sorry because I knew what was coming after I got caught. You know, when you're sorry because you don't want to have to, you know, face the consequences, but you know someone's truly sorry when they change their behavior. It's not about being sorry in the moment because you got caught, but it's actually changing and, and reorienting yourself. And what he's calling for here is a complete surrender to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ himself. And believing, trusting, leaning on Jesus Christ. Belief is not just a mental, like, yes, I, I understand the truth of who Jesus is. It's, it's, it's much more than that. Many people like the truth of Jesus. But, but truly believing in Jesus is actually trusting, relying, depending, reorienting your complete life on Jesus Christ. 
a life-transforming message. But if you go on, you continue in the text, you'll see that it, it, in verse 16, that's a life-transforming invitation. As he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. It's interesting. It becomes personal now. It's not just some kind of ethereal sort of kingdom of God, you know, big message. I mean, he's, he's actually talking about real people, real individuals, doing real life in the way in which they knew it. And he comes and he offers them an invitation. They're doing the, their, their normal fishing and what, what fishermen do. And, and Jesus encounters in that and he invites them to, to follow him. Now let's go to the next slide, if you would, Keith, just for a second there. Here's, here's the Sea of Galilee. We were there for our 20th anniversary in February. We took this picture. It's smaller than Cold Lake or Dory Lake or some of the lakes you guys fish. And it's, it's actually, it's the Lake of Galilee. It's not really a sea. It's just kind of a, a lake. It's, it's actually not even as nice as some Alberta lakes. It's kind of just a rocky. And, uh, but here is where these men lived and where they did their thing. And as we sat by the lake, uh, our tour guide, you know, told us this story, and, and it's not in the Bible, but it's kind of an extra-biblical sort of contextual understanding as, as they shared it with us. But he said, you know, the reality is every boy would go through rabbinical training. It was like Sunday school, or maybe if you grew up in a mainline tradition, like a catechism class. Everyone had to do it. You, you went to, 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 you know, to, to the study, the rabbi taught you, blah, blah, blah. And then and at the end of the course, or the study, or the, the training, however long it was, the rabbi kind of would, would pick the, the best and the brightest to, to continue on and to become rabbis. And those that weren't the best and the brightest, those who failed to do their homework, those who showed up late to, you know, catechism or rabbinic studies, you know, those guys went on and became fishermen, carpenters, bakers, farmers. I mean, if you're fishing, it's because you kind of, you didn't make the cut back when, when you were in, in rabbi school, you know. You weren't smart enough, sharp enough. And so as they're doing what they knew to do, because they didn't quite make the cut, this person shows up and invites them back into training. You know, they thought that ship had passed. <laughs> you know, they thought the sun had set on that dream, but, but suddenly the king of glory shows up and he says, hey, guess, guess what, I'm giving you an opportunity to join me and to be a part of, of a life-transforming experience. Follow me, I will turn you into fishers of people. He invites you, first of all, into a relationship. Follow me. Join me. Be with me. Live with me. Experience what I'm doing. Come and, and just live life with me is what Jesus invites his disciples into, and he still invites us into this. He's like, come and know me, be with me, abide with me, walk with me, learn from me. We're going to do this together. You're not on your own. I'm not inviting you to do something. I'm going to ship you off. But, but come and, and, and be my disciples. Be my followers. Be my apprentices. Now, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't take them through uh, any kind of screening process, right? <laughs> There's no, you know, aptitude tests. Um, it's just a simple invitation. And sometimes people wonder, maybe it's too late for me. 
yeah, it's great for you, Mike. God called you when you were a young man, and you got to marry a great woman, and you guys got to serve the Lord together. But I, I'm older. I, you know, I, I don't think that opportunity exists for me, and, and, and it does exist. I don't think God's done with any of us. And, and the life-transforming invitation continues for us. Follow me. And he says, I will turn you into, and he's talking about this transformational process. I'm going to transform your life. You're, you're going to move from a caterpillar into a butterfly. And, and I'm going to do it. You, you can't do this on your own, but, but the more time you spend with me, the more you learn from me, the more you, you obey me and, and, and you discover me and you, and, and you grow in intimacy with me, the more you're going to discover this possibility of transformation. I'm going to turn you into fishers of people, or fishers of men. We used to sing this song in Sunday school. I will make you fishers of men. Anyone know that song? I mean, this is like old school Sunday school. Now, of course, you know, the, the girls would kind of do the actions, but us guys, I mean, we were catching, you know, 150-pound tuna, you know what I mean? We were making fishers of men, you know, and, and she's like, I'm inviting you into relationship, into transformation, and into mission. It's possible that you came into a faith relationship with Jesus, thinking that it was just a ticket and an invitation to eternal life in heaven, and that's all it, it was. That you were freed from hell and the punishment for your sin, and you were, you were assured of a place in glory, and that, that, that's salvation for you. It's kind of, I'm not going there, and I'm going here. Great! But here, Jesus is not even talking about these things. What he's talking about is a relationship with him, a transformative experience, and a mission. If you join with me, it's not just about, yay, yeah, I'm free from hell. It, it's, you're joining my mission. If you know me, then you're, you're doing what I'm doing. You're sharing in this mission with you. In fact, you know, you're, you're going to do, you know, this is going to just continue to grow. We're going to be catching more and more people if we do this together. It's a life-transforming invitation. And all it requires is faith. You don't have to go to the right school, have the right degree, have a certain skin color, certain faith tradition, certain, you know, catechism. It, it's just faith. It's just believe in Jesus. It's, it is that simple, but it, it's not that simple because it, he's asking these men to, to do some significant thing because the next slide you'll see is a, a life-transforming response. I mean, what do you do with this invitation? There you are, you know, you're throwing the nets out, and he's like, look, follow me, and I'll make you fish as a man. I mean, he's not giving them an option. They're like, hey, Jesus, what's your timetable here? You know, can, 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 we, can, we, can we save up some money first? Can we do this? Can we do this? He's, he's kind of like, look, now's, the, now's your opportunity. What will you do? And it says they left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on a little further, you saw James and the son, the son of Zebedee and his bro- John, his brother, in the boat, many nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, and the hired men, and followed him. Immediately. Now, as a father, I can imagine sitting in the boat with my sons. The business that I've established, we've got hired men. We're big enough now that it can go into two parts. It can handle both sons and their families and the hired man. I mean, we, I've spent my life, I've inherited from my father. We've been fishing on the, you know, on the Sea of Galilee for, for you know, centuries. And, and now, here my sons are being invited by some strange man that I don't know 
to go do something that, that, that we don't know where it will lead them, what they're going to do, but just that it will involve life transformation. And these guys get up and they leave it all behind to follow Jesus. There is a cost involved in following Jesus. We don't like to talk about that. No, I mean, salvation is a free gift of God's grace. Yeah, it is. But following Jesus is, is not cheap and it's not free, but actually it's life transforming. But everyone around you is going to think you're nuts when you begin to really follow Jesus because your whole worldview changes. Somehow, in the midst of, of all of what they were doing in their daily life, there was something nagging inside of them. I mean, I'm just reading, I'm just, you know, speculating. But, you know, just imagine, right, there they are. I mean, why else would you just leave everything, your security, your future, to follow this man? Except maybe it's not just a man. I mean, if he is the king of heaven, the, the, the exalted son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, you know, the, the one who, who created this world, the one who, who, who speaks and, and it happens, the one who owns this whole universe. I mean, if it really is him, then why would you stay fishing when he shows up and invites you to do something? They were responding to Jesus. I mean, this has been the, the bedrock of New Life Community Church since it started. New life in Jesus. It's not about what, you know, denomination or, you know, affiliation you might have had or, are, or do have. It's, that, that's not the important thing. It's not about the right structure or what version of the Bible you use or, or whatever, you know, little, you know, my, minute things. It's about Jesus. You know, if you talk to people, sometimes they'll try to catch you up on, well, you know, the church is this and, and you know, tr people in churches are messed up. Yeah, they are. Every church. Every church I've talked to, you know, every church I've worked at, messed up people that hurt other people, that do stupid things. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes even the pastors, you know, I mean, we're, we're part of that. I mean, this is the reality. There is not a church out there that isn't full up with messed up people. Sometimes we hide it better than others. In new life, you don't have to hide it. That's what I'm told. Like, it's okay. Show up messed up, you know, we, because the life-transforming message of Jesus has the potential to change your life. To... to to set you on a different trajectory. God's not ever done with any of us if we're willing to turn to, to Jesus. And the overwhelming nature of who Jesus was and is was so compelling that these guys just couldn't even think about fishing anymore. Because Jesus had presented them a whole new opportunity, and the, the opportunity is presented to us to step into life transformation to get the message to, to hear the invitation and to respond i mean look it's just crazy immediately they're gone it's like boom one to the other i mean it just it doesn't even make sense except unless jesus is really that compelling that he's worth giving up everything to follow now the issue here is not jesus is not asking all of you to quit your jobs and sell your homes and 
and just go off into the wilderness. In Canada, we wouldn't survive very long. You know, Israeli climate's a little nicer. You can sleep outside, but it doesn't happen in Alberta. But, but I mean, the reality is he is saying in your hearts, whatever has taken root and, and guides you needs to be abandoned to follow Jesus. You know, all of us are hearing messages every day. They're all around us. They, they swirl in our, in our minds. They're on the television, the radio, our friends, our, our family. They're giving us messages. Sometimes they're, they're biblical messages, but many times they're not. Messages like, you need to secure your future. Or, you need to be skinny. Or, you need to have hair. Or, or you, you know, you need to be married. Or, you need to, you know, I mean, there's all these messages. You need to be successful. And Jesus comes in, and he kind of cuts through all those messages you know, Freedom 55. What is that? It's not in the Bible. Freedom 55. You know, like, uh, you know, you know. I mean, it's not there. It's not. Even in retirement, it's not in the Bible. Uh, you get old, you, you quit your job. You know, you, you, you finish working so that you can dedicate yourself to the kingdom ministry. I mean, that's, that's the ideal, right? You, now the government pays you to do God's work because, you know, you, you're getting a pension. I mean, that's, or your, your employer. That, that's, that's the way the Bible, I think, presents it. You know, I mean, I, I look at Caleb, he's 80, he's like, let me, you know, get into the heights and kill those giants, I'm ready to go. You know, I mean, this is, this is life, I mean, but, but we hear these messages. You know, I, I run into like 25-year-olds and they're worried about their retirement. I'm like, man, you got a, life, a lot of life to live before you retire. Like, why, why are you worried about that? Because the messages continually, are you going to have enough? Are you going to have enough? Are you going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? Sometimes single people, they struggle because like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm single. I need to get married. I need to get married. You know, and they get into this desperation. No, you don't. You just wait on God. But, you know, these messages come. I, I need to be skinnier. I need a bigger house. I need a, a lot on the lake. I need a bigger boat. And all these messages. And Jesus cuts through that and he says, follow me. Let me give you a reason for living. Let me show you something better. Come, trust me. And all of us say, no, 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 I, I kind of like what I got. I worked hard for it. It's mine. My, my career, my education, my family, my house, all this stuff. Now, I, I can't, Jesus, just let go. And, and, and let's walk together in a life-transforming experience. Let's go to the next slide, if you would, Keith. Here's the chrysalis house. If you go to the Calgary Zoo, it kind of looks like this, but actually in the zoo, it's kind of, it's this box that's against the wall with a plexiglass top where you can look down and you can see this place where all these little cocoons are, are curled up together. And this, I think, is, is a picture of life. We think that's it, the box, hanging off a string. And this, this is it. This is what the world offers you. There it is. Hang, enjoy it, you know, live it, you know, thrive in it. This is life. I mean, you go into this huge room, and in the corner is this little box. And that's life without Jesus. That's the box we build for ourselves, and we hang in there, and we live in it, and we think, this is it. We've got it. We've, we've achieved what everything we've wanted to achieve. And, you know, it's funny. If you look at, like, famous people, there's often this deep vacuum in their lives because they got it, and it didn't satisfy them. Tom Brady, if you see his interviews, he's kind of like, yeah, you know, I won a couple Super Bowls, and he's kind of like, what's next? It's a box. You know, movie stars committing suicide. Why? Because they got there, they got the money, they got the fame, and it's empty. It's a box. But if we go to the next slide, once you hatch out of that box, 
and you fly out of the box, you fly into this. Flowers, waterfalls, trees, sunlight. I think God has so much more for us to experience. That transformation. So that we can enjoy life the way he designed it. I mean, this is eternity. We end up in a garden with God. Perfect relationship. It's all kind of, you know, there's these beautiful rivers and the tree of life. I mean, that, that's the picture at the end of the Bible is, the, is us in this garden with God. I mean, this, this is where we're moving. But sometimes we settle for that box. We think, I've created my own world. I've, I've created my own life. I'm, I'm doing good. But God has so much more. Go to the next slide. I mean, God sees through your caterpillar legs through your branches and your leaves, and he says, I think you have potential. I think you could be transformed. I think you could be more than you are now. And that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. So go to the next slide, the final slide. Following Jesus is a life-transforming experience. And the question is, are you ready to fly? I don't know what message you received or heard when the gospel was presented to you, but I just repeat it. I mean, Christ died for your sins. He rose again. I mean, we've sang about it. But the reality is, is God created us to fly. And I think when we discover our gifts, our abilities, and how that serves the kingdom purposes of God, there's a whole new level of of enjoyment of life that you never thought was possible. My dad, when he was in his 50s, left a comfortable job at the mill. It was kind of like his fishing spot. <laughs> it had a pension. He had a union. He, had his, he was protected. It was in B.C., one of those, you know, dream jobs sort of thing. And, but, but he's like, you know, there's got to be more to life than stacking lumber. And an opportunity came to go work at a Bible camp. And he's like, Bible camp. And so he went to this place called Garden Lake Bible Camp. And... Um, you know, the camp wasn't doing really great financially. It was one of those kind of seasons in the mid-'80s. I mean, things weren't real flush there, and churches weren't able to always invest like they should. And, and there were some months, I remember, in the winter when there was no income and, and the camp, and they're like, well, Steve, we can only afford to give you, you know, 300 bucks this month. And he's like, well, that's okay, you know. I mean, God provided in other ways for our family. I mean, they rented out their house in town. And, and because he was over 50, there was a program in B.C. where they would augment the income of, of former woodworkers that, that had gone, become unemployed. And so, so God, God provided for us, but it was, it was like, you know, why would you, would you leave that security? All the guys in the middle were like, what are you doing, Steve? You're in your 50s. You're quitting this job to go out there, you know? Our Alberta relatives would drive to visit us because they thought we joined a cult, you know? Because why is he moving out to the lake and this camp? You know, what's going on? Maybe it's the Moonies or some strange, you know, cultic group, Harry Krishna, who knows, you know? But it was just, it was the call of God. It was transformation. I saw my dad grow, and he worked harder there for, for pennies than he ever did at the mill and, and anything because he just was serving the Lord. And it brought me to the place where I said, you know what, it, I guess you're, it is worth giving your life to serve the Lord. I saw my dad do it. Are you ready to fly? I mean, and the church is full of people who work day jobs and then invest the rest, you know, their, their other time in, in seeing the kingdom of God advance in the city in which they live. There's no church that 
that, that's healthy and that's grown and that's sustained itself without those dedicated volunteers, they're, they're the ones that are flying. Because when you understand eternity and the big picture and kairos, I mean, Kronos becomes really insignificant. It's like, God, what are those Kairos moments? And, you know, when you're sharing the, the, the message of, of Jesus, it's Kairos. And, and you're seeing, you know, people experience their own Kairos as they encounter Jesus. And you're like, yes, this is what life is all about. Living in that life-transforming experience. Are you ready to fly? If you don't know Jesus personally, in a relationship, then, then today is the day that you need to, experience that kairos he loves you and wants to have you as part part of his forever family but others of you maybe have have come to yeah i believe in jesus but but this whole thing you're talking about with these guys i have no idea what you're talking about because maybe you you believe you're you're, you're saved but now now you're ready like, i need to to learn like what does it mean to actually grow and walk with jesus and he's saying come let's fly he sees your potential he wants to, to work in and through each of us to be fishers of people and to see this kingdom grow. Worship team, would you come up as we, as we close? And these guys were never the same. It didn't mean that life was easy for them. It didn't mean that none of their, all their problems went away. It didn't mean that they had prosperity. Uh, legend says that all of the, you know, all the apostles you know, were, were ultimately martyred or died in, you know, in, in exile. But following Jesus for them was worth it. It was worth everything. And I still think it's the same for us today. Would you pray with me as we close? Sir. Father in heaven, you've been so good to us. And we worship Jesus here this morning. And I know as you look across this room and to the hearts of every person, you see incredible potential. You see through our caterpillar legs and our furry skin, and you see the chance of us growing wings and flying with you, Lord. And, and I pray that we could experience that. That you would guide us to, to surrender, to receive this message, and, and to, to invest our lives in you and in what you are doing around us. And Lord, I pray a special prayer for this church. Lord, since the beginning, the heart has been to reach the, the lost in this community. Those that, that are living in the box, Lord, and we pr I pray that you would just give opportunities to the members and the people of this church to reach into this community with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I thank you for this time we've had this morning together. May we take this truth and apply it to our lives this week. Transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you.